going to read. Uh, <laughs> not a long reading. Uh, it's, it's the 30th of December. Short passage. Let's get through this, eh, Jacob? Let's just, just knock it out, hey, mate? Okay, here we're going to go with this. It's Proverbs 4.23. I'm reading from the NIV 84 version as well. We've got retro cover. I love this, right? My favorite version personally. Anyway, it's, it's great. Here we go. This is the Bible read for today. It says this. Above all else, guard your heart. Uh, for, for from it flow the springs of life. There you go. All right, so um, I want to extend my welcome as well. My name is Jacob. If I haven't met you before, it's great to have you here today. Hopefully you're feeling uh, rested, you've had a good Christmas, maybe feeling a bit dehydrated, bloated, uh, sunstroke as well. They're all good things to be feeling this week. It means you've had a good time. And, um, and like Gav said, we've got a short, uh, a short passage to be looking at today. I got this weird gig a couple of years ago between Christmas and New Year. It's kind of a random time for church. I did my favorite psalm last time I got this, so now I'm doing my favorite proverb. And I've wanted to preach on this, this verse actually for quite a few years, haven't had a chance to do it, so I'm really looking forward to today because I think there is just so much wisdom to be gained from this, these four short lines. Uh, but before we get into that, I'm going to uh, pray for us. So if you want to bow your head and pray with me. Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful that we have uh, space in our weeks and in our days where we can come and open your word, where we can read it, where we can meditate on it, think on what it means, on what you're trying to communicate to us, and that we might actually gain a better understanding of life, of ourselves, of, of who you are and how we relate to you by the words you've left for us in the Bible. Lord, we just pray that now in particular you'll give us uh, just clear minds uh, and hearts ready to understand just the importance of the heart as you understand it. And we pray that you'll be changing us right now as we, as we look at your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this kind of time just before New Year's is a as Gav was saying, it is a great time to stop and to think and reflect on what the year has been. And as well, uh, for many people, it's to look at the year ahead and work out what are the things that we're going to focus on, what's going to be important. Now, I don't know if New Year's resolutions are as big a thing as they used to be. No one really talks about them that much in my circles. I'm not much of a New Year's resolution type person as much as I am a resolution type person. I make a resolution every single week, basically, um, and often they can even last a few days. Um, This year, I've been off sugar, I've been off alcohol, uh, I've been off carbs, Um, I'm currently back on all of those things um, and enjoying them all. Um, I've resolved to read books and bought books to read that I haven't read. Um, At one point a few months back, I was really excited to join a gym and I probably told at least 50 people my plans to join Orange Theory Fitness and how it's going to be great. Never made it there once. Um, I'm not the best follow-thrower, but I do rate myself on being able to be excited about new things. Um, I often feel like I'm on the brink of just transforming my whole life just by tweaking one little thing. Um, So I'll have the idea that, look, if I swap from having coffee with milk to just having black coffee, then that will be enough to make me feel less bloated, less stroppy. It would tip my calorie intake from from more in to more out. I start losing weight. It would give me more energy throughout the day. That's what I'm going to do. And I get excited about this one little change that that's going to just give my life um, a, a new jump start. Um, that's just my personality. But, but whether or not you are the sort of person that, uh, that, that makes resolutions and tries to hold them kind of fast or, or, or not, 
I think we all know that to some degree that the decisions we make and the effort we put into shaping different parts of our life uh, do actually have quite a big impact on how much we enjoy the life that we have and, and, and what our quality of life is. But one of the hardest questions is where should we focus our efforts? What should we be investing in? What is the thing that if we kind of go after that is going to actually lead to a better life? I googled some of the top resolutions for this year and, and the ones that came up as the, the most common were, were no surprises. There was get fit, eat better, stop smoking, stop drinking, get out of debt, meet someone, travel more, and get a new job. And all these things, the things you can look at, like, yeah, like, you know, that for, for many people, doing these things would probably actually be, be quite good. They, these are all things that have merit. But the thing that all of these have in common when you look at them is that they, they have to do with the external. They're all things about uh, how can you change things on the outside? How can you change your life around you? How can you change what you do? But none of these most common resolutions actually speak about what is deeper than that, in the questions of who we are or who do we want to be. And so what I want to show you today from this proverb that, that Gav read out, it'll come up on the screen, it's still there now, um, is, is this perspective that the Bible brings that I think we don't get very much in our culture. That the most important thing is focusing on something that's internal. This is from a book of Proverbs, if you're not familiar with Proverbs. Proverbs is quite a long book that does talk about so many parts of life. It talks about um, how to eat, how to drink, how to use your finances, how to work, how to have relationships, um, and all of these things are good. But right near the start of the book, this verse is in there. And it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for from it flow the springs of life. It is making a claim that there is a duty that we have that is far above anything else, as important as working out your finances, as important as working out your physical health, that we need to guard our hearts. So I just want to reflect on this for a short while now and see what it is that we can learn from this proverb. Uh, I want to be looking at the importance of the heart, uh, the problem of the heart, and how to guard your heart. So firstly, the importance of the heart. And to understand this passage... And to understand all of the Bible's teaching of the heart, we need to understand what it's actually meaning when it talks about it. When we think of the heart, the first thing that probably comes into your head is um, you know, a, the physical organ inside your chest that, that, that pumps blood around your body. Um, and this is obviously how it would have been used back in the day as well. But just like in our culture, the ancient Near Eastern culture that wrote the Bible had a symbolic meaning for the heart as well. And this is where we need to understand that their understanding of the heart is, I think, often different to how we speak of it today. Because we've, we've got a symbolic understanding of the heart, which is basically that it's, um, it's the part of you that's sort of in contrast to your mind. We think of our mind as being the center of kind of intellectual thought, of reason, of rationality, and our heart being the way to describe what's going on in terms of the, the emotions and the feelings that we experience. Um, so your heart is where you feel things like love or fear or worry or anger. But at the time that the Bible was written, the heart wasn't used to describe the center of your feeling. It was used to describe the center of your entire internal world. So if you go into Google and you type in um, the ways that the word heart is used in the Bible, you can get a list of hundreds and hundreds of references to the word heart. And you'll see this, the, the broad scope to which the Bible speaks about it. The heart is described as the part of you that weighs up and makes decisions. It consists of the will and the volition of a person. It's used to describe the center of moral activity. It's the place where both goodness and evil can be found. 
It's the place that produces doubt. It's the, it's the place that produces belief. You can have a heart that is either hard or soft towards God. It's described as the center of a person's thought life. It's described as a place where there is sin, but there is also holiness. It's the place and the part of you that, that does repentance. It's the part of you that praise comes from. It's the part of you that God sees when he looks at you. It's this broad scope of what it's talking about, but basically the simplest way to put it is the heart is describing the inner man or the inner woman. It's the part of you on the inside. It's where all of your thought life, all of your internal world takes place. And so the Bible puts a huge importance on this concept of the heart. The Bible says that the heart is the source of life. It's saying that what is going on in your internal world is the thing that your whole rest of your life depends on. And I think there's two main reasons for this. Firstly, what is going on inside, what is happening in our hearts, drives every other thing that we do. I want to show you another verse um, now from, from Luke chapter 6. And this is Jesus speaking. And he says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. I think often we, we can focus ourselves on what is happening, what we are doing, what, we are, what our habits are, what our life consists of. But what Jesus says is that everything we do stems from the heart. Um, one of my favorite things to do, and it's an easy thing to do, is planting trees. And so summer for me uh, is the time that you get to go to Woolies and buy yourself Kensington Pride mangoes and, and avocados as well. And you get to eat them and enjoy them, but then you get to stick the seed in the ground and grow trees, which is, I just love doing. Um, and, but the thing with this is, not once have I ever planted a mango seed in the ground and then been blessed with a peach tree. Not once have I put an avocado seed in the ground and ended up with a banana tree. And, and we know that's not, that's not how it works. And Jesus is using this simple illustration to point out that the same is true of our hearts. If we have a, a sick or broken uh, heart, our actions are going to stem from that. You're only ever going to get on the outside what you've got on the inside. So everything from our spending choices or our choices in friendships or relationships or eating or our drinking in some way, is going to be affected by the condition of our hearts. So if you can think, if you've ever met someone who you would just describe as a good person, you know, like those people that you maybe meet every, every few years that just seems just, they're like absolutely amazing. They don't get mad. They're, they're quick to be generous. They say loving things. They're always serving other people around them. And they just make you feel good to be around. Um, maybe you feel lucky enough to know a person that you just describe as being good. But if you actually picture that person and think about it, you realize that, that what they are like isn't because they are overthinking every word that comes out of their mouth. They're not meticulously thinking about every single decision that they make. It's, it's clear that when you see this kind of goodness in a person, there is something within them that that's coming out of. Probably even more relatable, though, is those people that you know that just have these kind of bad vibes. They speak judgment, they're, they're critical, they're selfish... They're unpleasant, quick to anger. They're full of lust and greed. And again, that's, that's not the result of sitting down and thinking about how can I make everything I do just be unpleasant. But it's clearly the result of something inside welling up to the surface. 
And maybe you're like me who feels a lot of the time like that second person but desperately wants to be more like the first. Just how good would it be to be one of those people that just goodness comes easily, that generosity is just natural? Well, the solution it's saying isn't just change behavior. You can't just try to be more content or just try to be more generous. The realization is that something's got to change deep down. Something's got to change in the heart. The heart is the source of life. What is going on inside you will play itself out in every other area of your life. That's the first reason the heart's important. The second reason the heart is important in in the way that the Bible understands it is that it dictates the extent to which we can relate to God. I've got four short verses that will come up on the screen behind me that I want to show you. Hopefully you can read them. Um, They're a bit smaller. Matthew 5.8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they they shall see God. Romans 10.10 says, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Proverbs 21.2 says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. And Matthew 22.37 says, And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and all your soul, and all your mind. The state of your heart is the key factor that decides whether or not you're in a relationship with God and what the quality of that relationship with God is. It's the the shape of your heart by which God appears to be far off or close by. It's your heart that will either love God and want Him and desire Him to be influential and big in your life, or else your heart will latch onto other things and love other things more than him. Um, it's your heart that God sees when he looks at you. It's what's happening on the inside. It's what you're thinking about, what you're wanting, what you're, you're, you're um, caught up in, what you're working towards. The inside world is what God sees when he looks at you. He sees that more than he sees what you do. Whether you're, not, you're rocking up to church or reading your Bible, what God looks at is the heart. And God cares about our hearts. He wants us to have good hearts that honor Him. So the things on the inside of us are of supreme importance to God. So for these reasons, the fact that our heart drives everything that we do, and and what's more, our heart is the place by which we relate to God, the Bible says the heart is important. And yet, I think most of us, if we're honest, would admit that we don't treat our hearts with this utmost importance that the Bible does. We focus more on things on the outside. One of the best books I've read in the last couple of years has been by a guy called David Brooks, who's a columnist from uh, the Washington Post. And he writes a book called The Road to Character. And in this book, he laments the fact that our culture, for the most part, has moved away from caring about the internal character of a person. That even in our language... Words like virtue and righteousness and sin and evil and character, which are words that describe what's happening on the inside, aren't used as much as they were used to. And he goes on to say that as far as ourselves are concerned, we're more concerned with what he calls resume virtues than eulogy virtues. He talks about resume virtues as the aspects of ourselves that look good on a resume. So it's your achievements, your, your successes, your victories, your educations, your, the, the, the jobs that you've had, that we invest a lot of time into these, but not so much into eulogy values, which he describes as the, the, the parts of you that people would talk about at your funeral. Things like kindness, faithfulness, perseverance, steadfastness, and generosity. 
And he says that most people, if they're honest with themselves, would prefer to have those eulogy virtues, but instead we pursue the resume ones. We pursue the things about us that are just kind of external and we think will be impressive. And I think for many of us as well, it's this other category, which is the Instagram virtues. It's, if you think about the year ahead, so much of what we want and aspire to are things that maybe just will look good on Instagram, that, 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 we'll have, that we'll travel and go to cool places that will show that we're adventurous people. We'll have a lifestyle that will show that we're kind of trendy in, in what we do, or healthy, or relaxed, or attractive, or part of a, the right group of friends. So we need to think, are we treating our hearts with the same importance that God does? And the first encouragement would be, this year, how are you going to keep reminding yourself to view the heart with importance? So that's my first point, the importance of the heart. Secondly, the problem of the heart. This proverb doesn't just say, care about your heart. It says, guard your heart. Which implies that there is something that threatens our hearts. Something that, that negatively impacts our internal world. Something that without active intervention will cause your heart to suffer. See, the thing is, our hearts aren't perfect. And, and the Bible talks about this a lot. And I think one of the reasons that we avoid really looking in at ourselves on that deeper level is because we know that what we'll find there won't always be that good. I'll show another couple of verses. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Romans 1, 21 says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. The Bible talks about our hearts as having something deeply wrong with them. And, and it's something that we can't describe just with using language like mistake or error or weakness. The Bible has to use language like evil, foolishness, darkness, sickness to describe the condition of our hearts. And we know this, right? We know this, that this is true about us and what goes on in our internal worlds. We choose to be deceitful rather than honest. We choose to be callous rather than compassionate. Disloyal rather than faithful. We often want to do one thing, but something in us makes us do another thing do things that we don't even want to do. The same ambition that we find within us that, that would cause us to, to start some new company also drives us to be, just to be selfish and materialistic and to exploit others. The same desire we find in us that leads us to have children also leads us to commit adultery. The same confidence that leads us to be daring and creative leads us to self-worship and arrogance. We're corrupted and the problem is at the source. I think we take um, clean water for granted here in Sydney. We just turn on our taps and it's ready to drink. But for many parts of the world and, and throughout history, um, the well in the village or, or the spring that's nearby is one of the most precious things. Um, that, that the well would have to be guarded above all else because if that water was poisoned, then the whole village would be poisoned. Um, and we had a bit of an experience of this like 20 years ago. If, if you're in Sydney in 1998, it's one of my like, earliest memories. You remember when the whole city's water got contaminated. I remember hearing a cow had died in the reservoir. don't even know if that's true. That's how I remember it, though. 
But, but what I do remember is that the whole city had to go back to boiling water. One contamination upstream meant that every single person, every single home had to, to, to boil their own water because if the source is contaminated, everything else is. Which is why Jesus says this in Matthew 15. He says, What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witnesses, slander. The problem isn't our actions. The problem is our heart. We've got something wrong deep down. So our greatest need is to have our heart problem solved. And this is at the center of what the Christian gospel is about. Um, Ezekiel 11.19, and it comes up a few times in the Old Testament, similar things to this get said. God says, And I'll give them one heart and a new spirit I'll put within them. I'll remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. What happens when you become a Christian, when you put your faith in Jesus and ask him for forgiveness and and ask him to have you back in his family and to to set your life on, on following him, is that God gives you a new heart. He changes the way you are inside from being cursed only to sin, only to do what is wrong, to having a heart that is actually changing. God supernaturally makes us so that we actually can have a heart that can see him. The moment that you see Jesus as good and as Lord and as King, it is because God has already worked in your heart to allow you to see this reality. And this is what's happened if you're a Christian. You have a new heart. But the problem is that our tendency in this life is to revert back. In this earth, we have this tendency to gratify the desires of the flesh, is how the Bible talks about it, that, that so, so caught up in our, in our bodies and our minds and our psyche are these old ways of doing things that we go back to them. We've got Satan who's getting in our ears and our minds, tempting us to, to return back to what we used to be, that we still live in a world that is just fundamentally built on different principles that, that make us want to be like those around us. And so our hearts are vulnerable We've got hearts that are prone to corruption. There's a guy called John Flavel who writes this whole short book on this one verse from Proverbs that we're talking about today. And, and the, the thing in his book which has stuck out with me just for years now is this one little paragraph which will be up on the screen where he says this. He says, For though grace has in great measure rectified the soul, yet sin often actually decomposes it again so that even a gracious heart is like a musical instrument which though it be exactly tuned, a small matter brings it out of tune again. Hang it aside but a little, and it will need setting again before another lesson can be played upon it. So what he's saying is, like, guitars aren't instruments that you just tune once, and then it's going to sound good forevermore. It, it requires work. It requires constantly just bringing it back and aligning those strings so that they can play in tune what they're meant to do. And so much of life works like that. Fitness doesn't work that you go for a run and then you just stay fit forever. Um, Life is full of these things, these these things that we need to take constant care of to maintain. And this is what the Proverbs saying when it says, guard your heart. It's saying, are you you giving it the attention it needs to remain healthy and strong? And we feel that reality. We feel the fact that our hearts go out of tune. Some of you right now might be aware, getting to the end of 2018, 
that your heart is just not in good shape. The things happening in your internal world are just a bit off at the moment. You, you know, you're gripped with, with, uh, with lust or greed that you can't shake or, or anxiety or worry or bitterness or you're joyless or down. And you can remember back to when things weren't like that, when, when things were better once before. But your heart has just drifted off through neglect. Maybe, maybe you are finishing the year where you've actually just seen the fruit of actually putting some time and investing in your heart. You've been doing the, the readings and, and regular in, in, in community groups and you're feeling good and, and the challenge is to press on. So what I want to finish on today is thinking about what does it actually look like to guard your heart? And I've got three things. Firstly, pray. The reality is that we are ultimately powerless to change our own hearts. It's by the grace of God that we've experienced change if we already have. And if, we, if you haven't yet had any experience of, of feeling like God has changed your heart, it will only be by grace and his action that that will happen. The more we realize how broken we are inside, the more we should realize our need for God to intervene. Our deepest problem is one that only God can solve. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who's a great uh, author, um, writes this. He says, The most experienced psychologist or observer of human nature knows infinitely less of the human heart than the simplest Christian who lives beneath the cross of Jesus. The greatest psychological insight, ability, and experience cannot grasp this one thing, what sin is. Worldly wisdom knows what distress and weakness and failure are, but it does not know the godlessness of man. And so it also does not know that man is destroyed only by sin and can be healed only by forgiveness. It's not they're just ragging on psychologists or mental health professionals, um, but he's saying that there is something in us that nothing will work on except for the gospel. That, that nothing will fix other than going to God and desperately asking him for forgiveness and life. So we need to ask God to work in our hearts. Um, and so if you haven't asked that before, if that's not a prayer you've ever prayed, I'd encourage you to do that today. But if you haven't, you've been a Christian for years and you've just seen things go a bit off inside of you, bring it before God because he is the only one that can work in that area. As Gav was saying, we've been doing a series on prayer for the next four weeks, and the second week of that series will be on Psalm 51, which is in essence a prayer for the heart, a prayer of, of bringing our hearts before God, and I'm looking forward to preaching that in a couple of weeks and speaking more about how to do this. But then beyond prayer, um, God is the only one that can change our hearts, but he does it, and he shows us that he does that by helping us do certain things, practice certain things, live a certain way. And so there's two areas I think we need to be focused on our heart, which is on an individual level and on a communal level. So individually, I think many of us struggle with setting aside a time to work on our hearts by ourselves, asking hard questions of what's going on inside us, actually being alone and examining our own hearts, asking questions of what, what are we feeling, what are we wanting, what are we worried about, what are we thinking about in this year to come? And to do that in the presence of God, to have a Bible open, to have a, maybe a notepad and a pen if that's how you work, and just to be, to be thinking, speaking to God, thinking on yourself, hearing what he's got to say through his word, and, and trying to bring these things together. And that's a hard, if you're not out of practice of doing that, that is a hard thing to start doing. But it is a discipline that will have just huge rewards. 
because your heart leads to all other parts of life. So I'd, I'd challenge you. Um, most people here probably have New Year's Day off. That's two days away. Um, could you find an hour in that to, to get away from people and to get away from your phone, to lock it in a box, put it under your bed, don't take it with you, don't take headphones, don't listen to music, and actually set aside some time to just bring your heart before God. Maybe even just look at it yourself. Really just look at what is going on inside of you and to bring that before God and to read his word. And if you don't know what to read, because it can be a hard thing to pick something, there's, like Gav said, there'll be some daily readings in the book of Hebrews. You could open the book of Proverbs. You could open a New Testament book like Philippians and just read what, what is in there because all of the Bible speaks to our deepest need and to bring that before God. I'd encourage you to do that this week. And then in that time, to hopefully you find that to be a, a fruitful experience and helpful and, and healthy. And then to set aside, how are you going to keep doing that throughout this year? But we don't only care for our hearts on our own, as, as important as that is. We need a community around us to help us in this pursuit as well. Hebrews 3.12, this is the last verse I got. says, Take care, brothers, let there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. He's not saying, make sure like in you that there's not an unbelieving heart. He's saying, make sure that in none of you there is an unbelieving heart. Every person here has a responsibility for other people's here's heart. That's what church is. That's what community is. It's not a bunch of people coming and listening to a guy at the front give a talk. It's a collection of people who care about one another and want to see every other heart in this room aligned and joyful and full of life in God. And so what it's saying is that you need a community for that to happen. Um, the church has this responsibility. We're not lone rangers when it comes to our hearts. In order for our hearts to be cared for and have people help us fight off temptation and, 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 the, and the worries and the concerns and the mis, misguiding thoughts of the world, we need one another. We need the grace that comes from knowing others and being known. If you look back in 2018, how many people do you have in this church community who you've allowed to know the inner workings of your heart? your deepest desires, your, your biggest, most pressing worries, your fears, your temptations, your loves and your sorrows? How many people have you resolved to know their hearts? That you've actually asked the questions that are going to help them share with you what is really going on? Asking questions that are often uncomfortable or, or tricky or difficult. If I'm being honest, one of, the, one of the things that I've found saddest this year at City Light, um, and I don't know if it's because it's been some people around me, but is seeing how many people in this church are not known. How many people have decided not to let others know them? How many people have made no effort to love and know others here in this church? And the reason that that's really sad isn't because we just want City Light to be great and people love each other because that feels good as much as that's probably true and as much as we want to be a community to show the world. The, the sad thing about this is that, that because we've got this tendency towards evil, we see people here at City Light fall away. 
we see people drift out of a relationship with God. That's what Hebrews is talking about. He's saying that, that sin hardens. And our prayer is for these people that, that, that will come back. But this is, this is life and death. The heart, from, from the heart flows the springs of life. If that goes wrong, everything else falls apart. Now that said, that we have so much great community here at church. And even as we were saying, give it, sharing our thanks, for, for many people that is our community groups. Uh, much of the growth we've seen is a testimony to how we do community here at City Light as well, and we love that. But this is a time as we think and as we plan of our next year, to resolve who are those people? Because um, it's not going to be everyone. You're not going to be able to ask every person, 150 of the church, how their heart's going. But who are the people that you're going to let in? And who are the people that you're going to say, no, I'm going to be responsible for them this year, that our hearts might grow? So going out, I'm just going to pray now. Um, I'm going to be praying that God will be working in our hearts, knowing that he is the only one that can do that. In a minute, we're going to have a time to reflect. Um, if you do nothing else in that time, uh, decide when you're going to sit down and spend some time with your own heart in, in just silence and alone over the next few days. If it's not New Year's Day, is it going to be next Saturday? When's it going to be? Like block out a time. Where are you going to do it? How is it going to happen? And to be thinking about if there's any other things you need to bring before God as to how you've related to this community this year as well. I'm going to pray now. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the Bible, which speaks volumes to how we care for our hearts when it is a topic that we get very little on from anywhere else in the world. Um, Lord, you know our hearts. You know that in every person here, there is a, a sick and broken heart, that we don't have to be murderers for that to be the case, that we have a tendency that is bent away from you, that we have secrets, we have things that we hide or try not to let others see, but you definitely do see them. And we just ask that you would be at work in our hearts, that, that if there are any in this room that haven't experienced the, the gift of having their heart changed in a way that re wise them to, to follow you, that you would, you would give them that. For those of us who have had this life-changing experience, this knowledge of you that saves, uh, and yet maybe uh, have drifted a little bit, we, we just thank you for the grace of, of helping us, of letting us know that we might turn back to you. Lord, give us time to grow as individuals, that we would be people that aren't caught up, caught up with externals and aren't only worried about our new diet that we're going to start or our new plan or what holidays we might go on this year, but that we would care about our hearts knowing that from them flow everything else in our life. Grow us as a church community as well. Uh, help us care and love others, care about and love others. Help us allow others to love us as well. Lord, we pray that you would be doing amazing things in this City Light Church this year as we seek to love each other more and grow and experience deeper, deeper knowledge and joy in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Like I said, I'll give you a minute to reflect. Uh, you can write things down if you want. You can pray and then Gavel let us know what's happening next.